Hello everyone, my name is Arti and this is the Mahabharata. Episode 26, Drupad, Pride and Retribution. Our last episode saw our boys in aggressive competition, ostensibly in the spirit of sportsmanship. But their rivalries are betrayed upon the dramatic entrance of Karana, who challenges Arjuna and is able to match him in every skill. While mother Kunti watches breathlessly, her sons, unaware of their relationship, duel each other with belligerence. Meanwhile, witnessing his dazzling performance against Arjuna, the Kauravas latch on to Karna with eagerness. It's an India's Got Talent moment for Karna, catapulting him from working-class labour to the king of Anga. Our text has some inconsistencies as to when the Kuru boys actually meet Karna for the first time. One passage has it that Karna trained alongside them, under Drona's tutelage, and was always envious of Arjuna. Other passages represent him as making an impressive debut at the tournament. For reasons I'll detail on the website, themahabharatapodcast.com, I favour the interpretation that Karna enters the picture at the tournament, creating a major upset, and for the first time, giving the Kauravas hope of countering the children of the gods, the Pandavas. Karna is a character who will fascinate us for a long time. He grows up with low-class parents, doing the humble work of chauffeuring Kshatriyas about in battle and otherwise. But he's clearly a whale in a pond. To begin with, he's born with golden armour and earrings, which kind of stand out at the community pool. He also looks like a god, golden complexion, chiseled jaw, brooding intensity. And then the obsession with the martial arts, at which he excels beyond most Kshatriyas. There was no chance he was ever going to have an ordinary life, and his advent into the stadium to attract the friendship of Duryodhana is going to alter the course of that life forever. But currently, it's graduation time at the Gautama Academy, and their training complete, the boys are ready to launch into the world. But first, there's the little matter of the Guru's fee, which, if we recall the Gusta tree peregrinations of Utanka some time ago, is likely some manner of major challenge or quest. What will it be in this case? Let's find out. Throner calls his graduating class together and gives them the question sheet. This assignment has four parts. For full credit, you must attempt all four. Read the instructions. Part 1. Craft a military campaign. Part 2. Invade a kingdom. Part 3. Loot the treasury of the kingdom. Part 4. Bring the king back hostage in fetters. Supplementary notes. 1. You must work collaboratively. 2. The campaign must generate minimal notice and resistance. 3. 
no civilians may be injured. 4. Target King Drupad of Panchal. The boys exchange glances. It's Operation Who's Your Daddy, whispers Yuyutsu, who's aware of King Drupad's history with their guru. But the Panchal kingdom is big and important, worries Yudhishthira. This won't be easy. No, it won't, grins Arjuna, excited. And yes, for his guru's fee, Master Drona wants his erstwhile friend Drupad's head on a pike, so to speak. The boys are chuffed to try a real campaign. After some testy negotiations, Arjuna is elected general. We're going to execute a clean surgical strike. Swift, silent, deadly. They plan everything down to the last detail. They'll enter the capital at dusk when light is low and the troops are at the end of their work shift. One team will create a distraction by the palace and another will neutralize the responding guards. Bhima and the twins will abduct the king. Duryodhana's team will raid the armory. Another team will raid the treasury. Arjuna will lead the rest in fending off the army that's sure to follow. By that time, King Drupad will already be in chains at Drona's feet. It's the first time the boys have to work collaboratively, setting aside jealousies, and they do it surprisingly well. The plan works flawlessly. In a swift and devastating raid, the cousins charge the capital of Drupad, they raid the armory, loot the treasury, capture the king, and deliver him back to their master Drona with zero casualties. The Kuru boy's graduating quest is a resounding success, but Drona has the greater prize. Looking at King Drupad in chains on his knees, now it's his turn to crow. Remember me, your old friend? He mocks. I've destroyed your kingdom and laid waste your capital. The only reason you're still alive is because of me. But an old friend, who needs him? Pride broken, treasure looted, physically overpowered, Drupad says nothing while Drona gloats. Don't worry, I'm not going to kill you. Fortunately, I'm a Brahmin and we Brahmins are never vindictive. For the sake of our childhoods, I'm going to spare your life. And in my great generosity, I'm even going to give you a boon. I'm going to give you half my kingdom. Because after all, how can a king be friends with one who's not? I'll take the north and I'll give you the south and we'll be equals. So I say to you again, recognize me, your friend, if you want. Yes, says Drupad, I thank you. You're my friend. They shake on it. And the Brahmin Drona, having achieved the revenge he's plotted for years without any trace of vindictiveness, moves into his new royal capital, Ahichatra, and settles down. Drupad trudges home, now to half a kingdom. He broods. His humiliation gnaws at him like a dog at a bone. He gives up eating, drinks heavily, starts popping Xanax. Night after night, he paces, analyzing the situation. 
How did one miserable Brahmin manage to best his entire army? Is it really possible that Brahmins with their weird occult rituals are more powerful than kings? He craves revenge. He makes and scraps lists of options. First, he tries to fire up his sons, but they're used to the good life and a sorry lot. Lazy, dissolute buggers, he mutters in despair. He considers tapas, but finds standing on one toe, taxi. Maybe an unfortunate accident? Brakes fail on a bullock cart? Engine fire on a chariot? But that would be Brahmin murder, and the sin would probably convert him into a cockroach. He ponders. He takes to reading self-help books, The Power of Positive Thinking, The Road Less Travelled, Awaken the Giant Within. Eventually, he decides the leadership manuals have it right. You're only as good as your team. Drona was nothing before he got himself a kick-ass team, which was now a lean, mean fighting force. Drupad concludes, I need a son like Arjuna. But how? Arjuna is the son of Indra, the chief of the gods. Where do you find one of those? He decides to undertake a sacrifice, whose express purpose will be to get an especially gifted child. He places ads in all the major papers, looking for a priest with special gifts for a special purpose, it reads. I'll give you a thousand cows, he begins every interview, and they're all interested until they learn his purpose. To take out RJ's student Drona? That's crazy, man not even possible. The man's a legend. He throws in suitcases full of cash, but they refuse him. He's a man on a mission and he cannot let it go. Finally, he latches onto one Brahmin named Upayaj. I'll give you a thousand cows, he begins. Upayaj rejects him, but Drona is persistent and harangues him relentlessly. Jewels, gold, Trip for two to the Bahamas, open bar, all expenses paid. The Brahmin finally caves. Look, I'm not going to do it, but you can try my big brother, Yaj. He's hygiene challenged and has no qualms about eating people's leftovers and dirty food, so we know he has no scruples about purity, probably no scruples about morality either. But Drupad is already dialing. I'll give you a thousand cows, he's telling the voice on the other side. Arrangements for the sacrifice begin. It's going to be a special rite involving black magic and spooky Atharva Veda mantras. The altar is measured and built, the patrons are consecrated, the fires are lit. It's a laborious process, but things progress fast. For some time, the priest offers oblations into the fire with murmured mantras. Then he turns to the king. The time for copulation has come. Call your wife. And Rupert quickly dispatches a messenger to summon the queen. Now a word about women in sacrifice. As Stephanie Jameson tells us, Whatever we may think of the status of women in ancient India, they're crucial to the sacrifice. 
We've already answered Bob Dylan's question, posed so earnestly with Tom Petty. How many roads must a man walk down before they call him a man? The answer, we said, is three. To qualify as a man, you must repay three debts. To gurus, to gods, and to ancestors. To repay the third debt that would confirm you in your manhood, you must absolutely have a wife. You can't have sex without a wife. Okay, fine, let's set that aside. You can't have children without a wife. Okay, let's come back to that as well. But you absolutely, positively, incontestably, in no way and no how, can perform a sacrifice without a wife. Just ask Ram what he learned after he booted Sita out of the matrimonial home in the Ramayana. He goes to perform an Ashvamedha and is told, Sorry buddy, read the sign. No admission for single, widowed or divorced men. So what does Ram do? He commissions a golden statue of his wife, which sits quietly through the whole ceremony and is a close enough approximation of a dutiful wife that nobody asks questions. In sum, a wife is necessary to the success of a sacrifice. All that to say that when Drupad is performing his all-important sacrifice for the much-coveted son who will destroy Drona, his wife is missing in action, on a spa retreat with her friends, getting a facial. OMW, she texts Drupad with three exclamation marks. Can't you tell them to wait a few minutes? But Atharva Veda mantras that control the rhythms of the universe cannot wait. The oblation the queen was to consume, therefore, that would have made her pregnant, the priest throws into the fire. Whereupon a wondrous thing happens. The wood crackles and fumes, then erupts into a blaze some ten feet high, making everyone jump back in alarm. Then, as they watch, a figure takes shape of a young man, brilliant like a god, of fiery aspect, terrifying, carrying a shield armed with sword, bow and arrows. A great din arises around them, of drums and clashing steel, deafening battle cries. This is your son, the priest tells Drupad, born to dispel your fear for the destruction of your enemy. The heavenly voiceover of baby names makes a timely appearance. For his boldness and audacity, for his birth from the blinding light, you shall call him Drishtadyumna. But as the group is dancing about gleefully, another figure starts to take form. Tall, slender, dark and delicate, a woman with eyes like lotus petals, long, glossy hair cascading down in curls. The fragrance of Chloe wafts from her a mile. She has an hourglass shape and face of such exquisite perfection as to make one's heart stop. Peerless on this earth, breathes the voiceover. This is Krishna, Draupadi for her father, Panchali for the land of her birth, she is born to accomplish the purpose of the gods.
she will achieve the annihilation of the Kshatriyas. Annihilation of... But nobody's listening. Every jaw has dropped to the floor as Draupadi steps out of the fire, the most beautiful woman in the world. Even her father is so struck with awe, he's dumbfounded. Then somebody sets off firecrackers. Another picks up drums and the sacrifice erupts into jubilation. Drupad's boys crowd around their new superpowered siblings, part excited, part wonderstruck. As the party continues, Drupad sits back, filled with unutterable relief. Sweet revenge shall soon be his, and he savours the anticipation. And he's gotten a bonus. He'd asked for a son, but gotten also a magnificent daughter, who, not clear what mumbo-jumbo the voiceover was reciting, seems in every way a superb sample of woman. All around, a good day for the Drupad family. But somebody's coming running, and it's the Queen. What did I miss, she says, panting. What happened? The traffic was so crazy. He shakes his head. You missed everything. The birth of your own children. You should have been there. They could have given me some notice, she protests. But she's embarrassed. She sees her stunning new children and goes to the priest. I'm sorry I wasn't there but I'm still their mother. Please let them recognize no mother but me. So be it, he agrees. Drupad is now happy to be friends with Drona. So happy, in fact, that he's going to register Drishtadyumna in Gautama Academy and specifically consign him to Drona's care for training. Drona, meanwhile, has heard the rumors but he takes him in anyway to preserve his own fame. He's going to teach him all the skills Trishtadyumna will ultimately employ to kill him. Trupad is now walking on air, the weight on his shoulders gone. He'd asked for a son, but ended up with two children, the girl as a sweet bonus. He's content. If he'd listened to the voiceover, however, it might have given him pause. His son is born to avenge his humiliation at the hands of the Brahmin Drona. But his daughter is born to exterminate the entire class of Kshatriyas. What does that mean? Let's find out next time. If you'll join me for our continuing exposition of the Mahabharata.